A few years ago, I was uh, probably watching football, and a commercial came on, and it portrayed a view of life that I think is not quite correct, even though there's some good things that might come from it. And so the way the, the commercial went was there was a, a man who was moving something, and he got his hands dirty. And he's looking at his hands. He's like a businessman, and he's so confused. He doesn't know what to do with his dirty hands. And I'm going to try and not do a product placement, so we'll see how good I do. And then there's this little girl over here, and she has a fountain drink bottle with water in it. And there's no label on it. And, and she comes over, and she pours water on his hands to wash off the dirt. And then, I don't know if they said anything to each other. He goes... And he's driving down the road, and he comes to uh, someone crossing the road that's carrying something really heavy. And he's jaywalking, but they don't point that out. Uh, so he's illegally crossing the road, and all these cars are like zooming past. And you're supposed to think, man, those people are so mean for, for not stopping for this guy. But here comes our guy who just had his hands washed by the little girl, and he, he stops and lets the guy cross the road. And so they smile at each other, and it's really sweet. And then the guy with the burden is walking along with the load, and he passes a guy who is getting a phone call. And as he gets the phone call, he pulls out his phone, and money comes out of his pocket as he passes this other guy. And the guy with the load goes and picks up the money and says, hey, you forgot your money, and you know, gives it back. And they smile at each other, and then the guy with his phone goes off. And he's walking along on his phone, and he comes across a lady who's trying to get a taxi to go somewhere, and they're arguing, and apparently she doesn't have, have enough money to pay for the taxi. And so this guy on the phone with this money that he almost lost pays the taxi fare for this lady to go in the taxi. And they smile at each other, and she goes off, and so she's driving away in the taxi, and she's taxied to a beach, I'm assuming it's the ocean, and she goes down on the beach, and she has this uh, bottle of soda <laughs> uh, that she's about to open and drink. So she, she turns the cap, and then she looks over, and she sees this little girl. And she, she smiles, and she puts the cap back on and gives it to the little girl. And it's the little girl that washed the guy's hands at the beginning. And so it's this beautiful... You know, if you're kind to others, the kindness will come back and kindness will keep the world going. And I'm, I'm all for kindness. I'm not, I'm not against us being kind. I think that's, that's a great idea and I love it when people are kind. Uh, but I think, I, I'm not fully sure what they're trying to communicate in, in the ad, uh, but it seems like our world, without having a view of God, believes that if we're kind to others, then kindness will come back to us from others. If we're good, uh, if we do so much good, then goodness should come back to me because I've been doing so good. And so you hear things like bad karma and good karma and these things that we do are building up against us and coming back to us and the universe owes me this and, and phrases uh, you may have heard like that before. And what is very evident in our text, Acts 11 this morning, is that uh, goodness, kindness, grace comes from God. It's a gift from God. It's not, uh, you know, we can't be good in and of ourselves. 
Uh, goodness has to flow through Jesus to us. And so the, the first part we see in our text is that uh, God's grace comes in the form of saving grace. And so the people go and they, they share the gospel and many are saved. And God's grace is seen then by Barnabas and then God's grace is seen as they minister within the church and as the church is edified and is built up. And then lastly, we see God's grace displayed as these people who have been shown God's grace minister His grace to others, other believers in the church. And so we have a correct view of the world where we understand that God is our creator. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that gives us life. He's the one that gives us eternal life through Jesus. And we know that all good gifts come down from our Heavenly Father, specifically to us by faith in Jesus. And so, like we sang in so many of those songs, we believe that God's grace comes to us uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for us. And so, as we look at this text, um, if we have any of that, uh, those ideas of, uh, if I do good, good will come back to me, Um, I'm not going to serve this person because they were mean to me. They don't deserve for me to do good to them. Uh, These thoughts like that that aren't true uh, need to be realigned with what God has said is true. And so we show God's grace to others because he's shown his grace to us. And that's out of the abundance that we're able to, to minister and serve with is the abundant grace that we've received through faith in Christ. And so as we look at our text this morning, we're going to summarize the text as minister God's grace to his church by faith in the Lord Jesus. And so all the way through Acts, we've noticed that Jesus is the one that builds his church. And it's true in our text today as well. Um, It'll be very evident that he's the one doing the work. But there's also the the side of things where we're responsible to minister God's grace to others in his church. And so we're going to strike a balance between that. So our theme instructs us of how to live. We're to be ministers of God's grace because God has shown us grace. And we do that by faith in the Lord Jesus. And so as a church that, uh, you know, we would love to plant a church. We would love to see God use us to reproduce Uh, other churches, um, you know, in our area, around the world, um, in missions and different things like that, Uh, we have to understand that church planting is not something that we can just manufacture. It's not something we can just say, oh yeah, let's, let's plant a church there and go and do it. What we see in this church plant is that God uses uh, a tragedy. He uses the tragedy of Stephen stoning. And this has come up several times in Acts that as the people run away, Uh, they're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus uses this tragedy to plant a church in the city of Antioch. And he does it. He doesn't, you know, there's not all these schemes that uh, the church in Jerusalem came up with of uh, strategic planning to, to plant this church and everything. Those things aren't bad, but Jesus has to be the one to grow his church. Jesus has to be the one to plant churches. And so as we look at this text, we'll see three ways that Jesus ministers his grace in his church. And so the the theme reflects more of uh, our responsibility in response to what Jesus is doing in his church. And then the points we'll look at are the things that Jesus is doing 
um, to minister his grace through his church. And so there's three M's. There's a message, there's a means, and there's a manner that we'll get into. So first we'll look at the message together. So look with me at Acts 11, verse 19. It says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as uh, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. So if you recall back um, earlier in Acts, Stephen was stoned in Jerusalem, and so most of the believers in the early church were Jewish. And so these Jews are now spreading out from Jerusalem uh, because of this persecution, And some of these Jews, as we've studied in past chapters, some of these Jews still don't understand that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for both Jews and Gentiles. And so they're uh, dispersing, and most of them are only sharing the good news about Jesus with other Jews. But we see in verse 20, uh, Luke points out a contrast to us. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And so some of these uh, people who are running from Jerusalem, running from uh, this persecution and martyrdom of Stephen, some of these Jewish people uh, are from Gentile cities. And they decide that they're uh, probably unknowing about uh, what Peter experienced in Acts uh, 10, uh, probably not knowing these things, uh, still took the gospel to the Gentiles. And so they, it says they preached the Lord Jesus. And verse 21 gives us further understanding of what happened once they preached the Lord Jesus. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So, like we pointed out at the beginning, uh, Luke specifically acknowledges here that it's, it's the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord went with these people as they preached the Lord Jesus, as they spoke the gospel of Jesus to save these people. And so we see this, this kind of battle going on of, uh, we just want to know what our responsibility is, but then we know also that God is the one that does it. Jesus is the one that saves people. And so we see the balance here that must be struck of we have to minister to others by faith in Jesus. So we can't just make people trust in Christ. We have to have faith that that is what Jesus wants to do, and that's what he's promised he'll do, and that's what he will do. And so as they go, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And so as we look down through the text Uh, Luke points out several times the amount of people that are being saved and ministered to. So in verse 21, it's a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And then down in verse 24, a great many people were added to the Lord. And then down in verse 26, again, it says, uh, So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And so Jesus is doing a great work here. He's saving lots of people. And it's really exciting. And so we'll look at some of the responses to what Jesus is doing here in Antioch in a second. But as we think about our responsibility uh, to minister God's grace to others, we know that Jesus ministers his grace through his disciples speaking uh, the message of the gospel. 
So it's easy to get caught up in our lives in, in other things that seem like good ideas or that uh, we enjoy and to, to kind of track our lives along with those things. But what we see in this text is not some great master plan uh, to evangelize these people, but as they go, they're just speaking. They're just sharing the gospel of Jesus. And sometimes we overcomplicate things, and we, because we are lacking faith that Jesus is going to minister his grace through the message of the gospel, we seek other means of evangelism. But the, the simple fact is, is that we're just called to open our mouths and share the good news about Jesus. And this reminded me of a text in Luke chapter 16, where Jesus recounts a story. And so I just want to summarize that story for us real quick. It's the rich man and Lazarus. So if you turn there, it's uh, verse 19. And so it goes through and Jesus describes uh, the life of the rich man and the life of Lazarus, who was a very poor man. And the rich man uh, was dressed in fine purple clothing. Uh, He says, fared sumptuously every day. Uh, But then it compares it to the beggar, Lazarus. He was full of sores. And he laid at the gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it goes down and it describes how even though they they lived completely different lives, uh, one poorly, one richly, they both die. Okay, So that's kind of the point is that everybody dies. And the way we uh, fare in life doesn't necessarily reflect uh, what we're believing in and what our life will be like uh, forever. And so Jesus goes down and describes how uh, they can see each other. So the rich man can see Lazarus from across a chasm. And uh, Lazarus is, is doing fine. He's with Abraham and he's enjoying his life in paradise. And the rich man is in torment, it says. And he's begging for uh, that Abraham would allow Lazarus to go back and tell his brothers that they need to trust the Lord, that they need to repent and and turn away uh, from their wrongdoing because they're going to end up where he's at. If they continue to live in sin and not trust in Christ, they're going to end up in torment just like him. And he does not want that for his brothers. He loves his brothers. And so in verse 27, uh, the rich man says, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you, send, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead... They will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And so sometimes we we want some crazy thing to be able to do to show people that the gospel is true and they need to believe. But the message of the gospel is enough. And as Abraham points out here, it's even enough to believe uh, the predictions that Jesus is coming from Moses and the prophets. To have faith in God and His promises is to be saved. And 
Sometimes we, we want something, something crazy to happen. We want to be able to, to show people uh, how true this is, to show them evidence that, that these things are real. And just like the rich man, uh, we would love it if you know, someone would rise from the dead and everyone would be like, wow, this has to be true. But what Abraham shares is that the power is in the word, that God saves people through his word. And specifically in our text, through the message of the gospel. And so this should be an encouragement to us because it's nothing that we do. Our responsibility is just to open our mouths and say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And there's other stuff that can go into that. We can, we can share about how, how they've rebelled against him and how they need a savior and help them see their need. But it, it simplifies things down to a, a level to which we can handle. We can we can by faith say, I, I, I know the good news about Jesus. Will you trust him as your Savior? And to befriend people and to help them uh, understand the truth of the gospel. And as we've seen throughout Acts 10 and now in Acts 11, our tendency is to be selective in who we share the gospel with. And so as we saw, the, the many, as they went, they only shared the good news about Jesus with the Jews. But some, they shared the gospel with, with everyone. They shared it with the Hellenists here in Antioch. And so far be it from us. Uh, Peter said in chapter uh, 10 or 11, I can't remember, uh, who am I to withstand God that he would save the Gentiles? And so who are we to say, oh, I, don't, I don't think that person is quite right for the gospel. Um, we, we need to be very careful that we're not making those decisions. And, and yes, we want to be led by the Spirit and you know, not force uh, anything. But when we boil it down to our responsibility is not to save them, our responsibility is not to make them repent or convert or, or come to church or do any of these things, our responsibility is to open our mouths and share the good news about Jesus. And Jesus, uh, when his hand is with us, when we do these things by faith, he saves people. That is what he wants to do. He is a saving God. And so we have uh, this responsibility to minister God's grace through the message of the gospel. And we shouldn't do it with, with prejudice or uh, picking people who we think might be eligible for the good news about Jesus. And so this brings us to the point where we have to understand that Jesus does save people. And if we have not been saved, then like the rich man, we will be across the chasm from God forever. We will not be with the Lord. And so when we trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus... We have his atonement, his uh, wrath-removing sacrifice, put on our account for our sins so that we can have a relationship with God, we can be with him forever in heaven, and then we get to be ministers of God's grace because he has shown us so much grace in Jesus. And so if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, he, he wants you to trust him. He died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And if you believe in him, he'll forgive you of your sins. And then you get to have a relationship with God. You get to uh, be joyful in the spirit. You get to minister his grace to others as he's shown you grace. 
and uh, it just opens up a whole new world and a whole new life in Christ uh, that comes with so many blessings. And so first we see Jesus minister his grace through the message of the gospel. And now secondly, uh, we'll see kind of the means by which he ministers his grace. So he uses the the message of the gospel, but he also uses um, the means of his faith and spirit-filled disciples. And so news of all of these people trusting in Christ in Antioch spreads. And the church in Jerusalem hears about it. And now we're going to see how they respond in these next few verses. It says, Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. So I bet you didn't know that churches had ears, but there you go. They, churches hear things. And so here they are. They, they hear this news of what Christ is doing in Antioch, and they send uh, one of their men, Barnabas, to go and see what's going on. So <clears throat> Antioch is about 300 miles from Jerusalem, and they didn't travel super fast back then. So it probably took them about two to three weeks to get all the way to Antioch, depending on how fast he was traveling. But once he arrived, uh, we see what he saw in verse 23. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. So what a blessing for Barnabas to be able to come and to see good things. So many times we walk into situations and we're like, oh man, this is bad. <laughs> but here comes Barnabas. He, he comes to this fresh church plant here in Antioch and he sees God's grace at work. So what does he see? He sees new believers. He sees people that Jesus has saved by his grace and he is glad. And so God's grace is seen um, in his saving people. And then also we see God's grace displayed through Barnabas and then Saul as well. And so as we look down uh, through this verse, we see first that Barnabas is glad. And then he encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. And so this is the second time we've uh, interacted with Barnabas. So at the end of Acts chapter 4... He comes and gives a gift of money to the apostles, and they change his name, actually. Uh, It says in Acts 4, verse 36 and 37, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so here he is later on, and... The apostles trust him, this person who they've renamed Son of Encouragement, to go and see what's going on at this church and to encourage them. He's the the son of encouragement. And as he comes, he does encourage them. And he tells them to continue on with purpose of heart, that they should continue with the Lord. So maybe you had the same experience when you got saved, but whenever you do something new, there's always those doubts of, is this real? Do I really believe this? Should I keep going in this? There's kind of that stage of, uh, is this what I truly believe? And so Barnabas comes and he says, don't stop, guys. Yes, you've been saved, but keep going. Keep walking with the Lord. Don't give in to your doubts. 
Don't give in to your, your friends who are telling you that this is crazy. Uh, don't uh, listen to those voices. Instead, continue on with the Lord. And we see why he does that. It says in verse 24, He did this, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And so the Lord continues uh, to have his hand on this church plant in Antioch and to uh, keep ministering his grace to save more and more people. And so let's go back and and think about Barnabas uh, just a little more. Uh, We are familiar with uh, the gifts of the Spirit. So those are given in a couple places. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 are a couple. Uh, So in Romans 12, uh, the gift of encouragement is actually mentioned as a specific gift. And so I think that's the, the gift that Jesus gave to Barnabas to minister in his church, to encourage the church uh, there in Antioch. And so this wasn't a gift for him uh, to just use for his own benefit, but as he went throughout the church, he was meant to encourage them to say, hey, keep going, keep trusting in the Lord, keep walking with him. And the word gift in Greek, this is, we're getting into the, the language a little bit, but grace in, in Greek is charis. So maybe you've met someone whose name is charis. Uh, that is the Greek word for grace. And then the Greek word for gift is uh, charisma. And so we have a charisma here at church. And that word is the Greek word for gift. And so again, we see God's grace at work through uh, the Spirit working in uh, Barnabas here. And so here he is uh, ministering by faith in Jesus, it says that he's full of the Spirit and faith, and he's kind of the the model here of what we can pursue. We can have faith in God that he's ministering his grace, and we can be filled with the Spirit uh, to show God's grace to others. And so it's actually really cool as we go down through this text, because Paul kind of unfolds a lot of the doctrine behind what's going on in this church in the epistles. And so, Uh, As we go on, Barnabas, to encourage them further, he's going to go and get uh, Paul, who was still named Saul at this time. So in verse 25, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. So remember, uh, after Saul was converted, he went to Tarsus for a while. And Tarsus was about 100 miles from Antioch. And so that's probably why Barnabas went there instead of Jerusalem to get one of the other apostles. Uh, It was closer. So a third of the way closer. And so he goes and gets uh, Saul and verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so here he goes and gets Saul. Saul comes back with him and they're able to meet together with the church and teach them to, to equip them to do the work of the ministry. And so this is another fun thing that that plays out in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says that he, that Christ, having won the victory, now gives victory gifts to his church. And it says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the church, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so that's what we see here. We see 
the Apostle Saul coming, the gift of God to the church, to build them up, to minister to them in this new church. And so again, we just see God's grace abundantly coming to this church through His servants as they trust in Him and minister to one another. And so we don't have apostles anymore. Uh, Those were individuals who saw the Lord Jesus Christ uh, risen from the dead and were called by Him to fulfill that role. But we still have uh, pastors and teachers. And they're God's gift to the church to uh, help us all be able to minister God's grace uh, to others. And so uh, that's part of the reason why we have equipped ministries on Wednesday night is our hope is that we're, we're being built up, we're giving, being given the tools we need to, to serve the Lord by faith through the power of the Spirit. And so here they are, they taught a great many people, um, and I think it's interesting that they, they met together for a whole year. So when the Jewish people were saved, they already knew the Old Testament. They would have been very familiar with uh, the Scriptures. And these Gentile individuals who are being saved, they probably have very little, if any, familiarity with uh, who God is and what the Old Testament Scriptures were. And so uh, they would have taken more training. And so here Barnabas and Saul uh, teach them, and they are built up to minister. And it's fun, uh, at the end of verse 26, uh, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so now that a Gentile church has been planted, Jews and Gentiles, uh, the distinction is becoming clearer that these aren't just Jewish people. These are a new people. These are people who follow Jesus, the Christ. And so they're called Christians. And that uh, can be, it's kind of means that they're, they're little Christs is the meaning of Christians, but it just means that they're followers of Christ. These are people that uh, their name means that they are in Christ, that they have left what they were and now they're, they're following Jesus on a new path, uh, following him. And so we see Jesus continue to minister his grace uh, to the church uh, through these two men, through their gifts, through the grace that God has given them in the Spirit, and then also uh, Saul as an apostle uh, giving that gift to the church. So 1 Corinthians 12 is one of the passages that talks about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the grace of God coming to us, that we're able to minister to one another within the church. And in that text, uh, Paul uses the illustration of a body, that we're, we're all members of a body. So some of us are an arm, some of us are a foot, some of us are an eye, some of us are an ear. And that's to say that we're all different, and we're all given different gifts for specific purposes. So if we were all an eye, we'd be a church that sees really well, but nothing else would really happen, Right? And so we, we need each other in the body of Christ. We don't all have uh, the same gift. We don't all have the same opportunities to, to minister God's grace to others. But we all have opportunities as God gives them to us. And, and they might be different and they might look different. And so there's no need to compare. But we all need to be ministering God's grace to others. Uh, when I was 12, I was playing basketball. And... 
I, I was already this size, and so I was very uncoordinated. I had a really bad uncoordinated stage. So this one wasn't totally my fault, but I was sprinting down the basketball court, and my feet got tied up with another player, right? I didn't just trip. And, and I tripped, and I fell on my left shoulder. And I don't know fully what happened within my shoulder, but uh, I don't think I broke anything or tore anything, but I had to wear a sling for a while because it hurt so bad, and eventually it healed up. But I remember while I was in the sling that I was uh, advised uh, not to exercise too much, not to like run without the use of my arm, because when you're, uh, when you're missing the, the function of a limb, you overcompensate with other parts of your body to, have, to feel like you're having a normal running motion or whatever the exercise might be. And so the best thing to do was to just not do anything uh, that included the, the movement of my arm so that I didn't further injure something else in my body. And so at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul makes the point to point out that uh, the gifts are there for us to, to minister to one another for the sake of unity is one of the purposes. So we're not divisive. And the picture is to show that, yes, we all have different gifts, different, uh, we're all different members of the same body, but when part of the body is not working correctly, it affects the rest of the body. And so God's grace isn't something for us to just hold on to. It is, it is for us, and it saves us, and it sustains us, and it, it helps us in our lives. But His grace shouldn't just uh, pool in us. His grace is there and overflowing in our lives so that we can give it to others, so that we can show the world what Jesus is like. And so we have God's Spirit within us to help us do that, to, to be ministers of His grace to others. And it's true, when, when our church body is, is missing people, it's noticeable. There's a limp, or, or whatever you might have it, uh, that we need each other, and that's the way God intended it. That when we're united as one body in Christ through the Spirit indwelling each one of us, we are functioning well. It's so nice when you like, get a good night of sleep and your body's functioning well and you just spring out of bed and you're, you're ready to go and uh, do whatever the day has for you. But uh, when, when you're missing parts of your body, it, it hurts. You can't function correctly and it's noticeable. And so we each have a responsibility to encourage one another, to minister God's grace to each other, and to uh, bring uh, everyone up along with the body. Okay, so we don't, we don't want to leave the body and depart for a while, and we don't want to let people uh, you know, run from the Lord or whatever it might be. And so we are a body unified by the Spirit that we just come around together as one family in Christ and encourage one another uh, like Barnabas did to encourage on, or to uh, continue on with the Lord with purpose of heart. And so we've seen in our text that Christ is building his church. He's ministering his grace. He does it through the message of the gospel. He does it through the means of his spirit-filled and faith-filled disciples. And then lastly, we'll see that Jesus is ministering his grace in the manner of his disciples' sacrificial service. So in our last little portion of our text today, we'll see 
the individuals in Antioch have the opportunity to minister to other believers. So there's a famine that comes, and they take up an offering and send the money to help the people who will be most affected by the famine. So look at verse 27 with me. And in those days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So just a couple notes about these two verses. Uh, Again, in Ephesians 4, prophets are mentioned as one of the gifts for the church, but prophecy is one of those gifts that now that we have God's Word has ceased. So we don't practice the gift of prophecy anymore, but we see the Lord using it by His grace to help the early church here in Antioch. So they come from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And so here's Agabus. We don't know much about him, but he does what the Lord wants him to. He's filled with the Spirit, and by the Spirit, he fulfills his role and ministers his grace to the church in Antioch and the church worldwide to say, God has revealed to me that there's going to be a famine, and we should prepare, and we should care for one another as the body of Christ. And so he shares this, and it's kind of funny, but we, you know, in modern day, we don't really understand famine, right? Uh, You know, eggs go up to $5 a dozen, and we all freak out, and it's like, well, we can still buy eggs. (laughs) But what if there were no eggs? You know, what if there was no food at all? And so this is a huge crisis in uh, this time period in the world, and God, by His grace, is going to prepare the church to be able to survive under it. So in verse 29, Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And so here they are, First Baptist Church of Antioch. That's a joke. They're not not really a Baptist church. Here they are. They take up a benevolence offering, and they're ready to share the, the physical things that God has given them with others in need, other believers who have need in Judea. And so again, we see God's grace at work as they serve, as from from the goodness that God has shown to them, they give to others. And it's such a beautiful picture of when, when we have Christ, we have everything we need. And so everything physical in life just becomes a tool to show His grace to others. And so we can live our lives with everything that comes into our life, knowing that God owns it and that we're just stewards of his grace. And so we just hold things with an open hand and we say, God, how can I, uh, how would you like for me to use this? So part of it is to take care of ourselves and our own family and things like that. But then God asks us to give that, to, to show uh, his generosity, his grace to others Because we have everything we need in Christ now, and so it opens up a whole world for us to help others and to to share amongst ourselves and encourage one another and help through hard times. And so in verse 30, it says, This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And so God ministers his grace through their, their sacrificial 
uh, giving here. And so it's interesting, the, the word to send relief is where we get the word deacon today. So it's the idea of they're, they're sending help, they're sending service to this church in a time of need. And so we too can uh, be sacrificial in our service and our giving and give as we have ability. I, I love being uh, a member of this church. There's been so many times that I've had the opportunity to uh, see the Lord Jesus minister His grace uh, through all of you, and it's really fun. Uh, recently, as a church, we had the opportunity to help someone reside their house, and we always joke when, when we're part of something like that, that we hope we're at the right house, you know, after we, like, tear all the siding off. Wouldn't that be hilarious if you, like, walked out one day and you're like, guys, where's my siding? And just like, or your roof's torn off or something. So a plan needs to be made. But uh, it's so fun to watch as as we come together to to sacrificially serve one another and to help uh, with whatever it might be. And it's really interesting as the world watches that because it doesn't make sense to them. Uh, They want to know what we're getting out of it. Uh, what's, what's in it for us that we would help someone uh, with a project like that or whatever the need might be? And so I've, had, I, I've, I've seen several or had several conversations with, with people as they see that happening, and they're like, who are you guys? They're like, what is going on? And it's fun to share, oh, we're, we're just her church family or his church family, and we're just uh, here to help um, in, this, in this time of need, and uh, there's been many opportunities to do that. And then there's also opportunities where people will uh, have a need and come and ask for help or for money or things like that. And usually when, they, when we don't know them and they come to the church for help, they're kind of at the last of everything. Okay? They've gone to family, they've gone to friends, and the help and money maybe has ran out. And to be able to uh, be kind to those people, to smile at those people, to just treat them like a human and uh, share the love of Christ with them and to show them His grace is just so interesting. They're just always overwhelmed uh, by the generosity of the body of Christ. And it's so fun to be a part of a church uh, that ministers God's grace to each other. So I wanted to thank you guys for doing that and then encourage you to continue on with the Lord in purpose of heart and to keep ministering God's grace to others. And so, as we think about where we're at as a church now, and then where we, uh, you know, we would love to see the Lord plant a church through our ministry here. Uh, but again, we, as we look at this, we see that the Lord Jesus is the one that does it, okay? He's the one that has his hand upon the message of the gospel to, to show his grace through Christ to unbelievers, that they might be saved. But we also have that responsibility to minister his grace by sharing the gospel. And then we see too that our responsibility, we can't just make things happen. Instead, we need to uh, rely on the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. As God gives us his grace, we we give that grace to others. We show the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We can be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, uh, kind, uh, good, and have self-control and show the world what Jesus is like through the indwelling Spirit uh, ministering through us. And then lastly, uh, we can have an open hand. 
we can be ready to minister God's grace, to, to serve, to give, uh, to use these earthly things that have no eternal meaning uh, to bless people and show the grace of God to the world. And so in this text where there's no uh, dialogue, uh, is we just have the recording of the events, we see God's grace so abundantly at work that it should, it should encourage us to want to see that in our lives as well, in our church, and to continue on in ministering God's grace to others. Uh, we don't want that to just come into us and stay. We want to, to show the world how loving and gracious God is and uh, that he sent a Savior to die on the cross for their sins so that they can have eternal life in him. So I hope that's encouraging to you today, and I pray that uh, by the Lord's help, Uh, and through our faith in him that he would do uh, this work of ministering his grace in our body and uh, to grow his church and that we too would see the Lord's hand uh, upon us as we share the message of Christ and we would see a great number uh, come to trust in the Lord. So thank you and I'm glad that we were able to spend this time in the word this morning. Uh, Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and that through him uh, we are whole and we have everything we need. And we thank you for uh, your grace in our lives and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we just pray that you would help us to be ministers of your grace and that we wouldn't try to force things or uh, do things in our own strength, but that we would rely on your spirit and that you would use us as we speak the message of the gospel and that your hand would be upon our uh, ministry of your grace, and that you would save a great many people. We thank you for uh, the early church and for the the church there in Antioch, and uh, we just pray that we would uh, follow their example and uh, live our lives in a new way because we are Christians. And we thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray all these things in his name. Amen.